You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 59 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Carusco. Carusco is an aggressive, literate indie rock band from Dallas, Texas. They blend the spirit of post-hardcore with ambient guitars, thoughtful lyrics, and a message of hope. You can catch them all summer on tour and find all of the information at their website, caruscomusic.com. That's C-O-R-U-S-C-O music.com. You can also check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carusco Music. Now here it is, their new single, The World We Know.
music is called up by the angel I know exactly what goes on Hello, this is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday and you're listening to that one time on tour. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what's going on? This is Chris Swinney. I am your host as always for that one time on tour. Welcome to episode number 59. Uh, We took the week off last week. My wife was out of town and I was basically playing single dad for the week and it's really, really hard to try to finish a podcast when you're taking care of two toddlers. So uh, thanks for the support and not being too upset that I missed a week, but we are back. I would like to thank you for checking out the last episode, number 58, with Tom from MXPX. We charted on Apple Podcasts, charted on Spotify. It was a great episode, and I appreciate all of you guys out there listening. But we're back with episode number 59. My guest today is Mark O'Connell drummer extraordinaire for the awesome band Taking Back Sunday. I hadn't spoken with Mark since like Warp Tour 2003. It had been quite quite a long time. But uh, we talked about all kinds of good stuff. We talked about what it's like, you know, being a dad. We talked a lot about Metallica, which I, I never plan on that, but it always ends up happening. All touring and all kinds of crazy stuff, everything in between. We talked about everything, and you guys are really going to enjoy it. Before I get to my conversation with Mark, as always, I have to take care of a little bit of business. We have some good sponsors for this episode, Artist Flags. You guys need to go to artistflags.com if you need anything for your band or company. They make scrims and backdrops for the stage, or just I'm sure they can make anything that you want to promote your company. So hit up Cody over at Artist Flags. Just go to artistflags.com or anywhere on social media at Artist Flags. We also have Permanence Tattoo Gallery back on the show as a sponsor. They're located on Meridian Street in Anderson, Indiana, downtown Anderson. My buddy Jacob, who's been a guest on the show, is the owner and an amazing tattoo artist in his own right. And Permanence is the place to go if you're in central Indiana or if you want to, you know, travel to get some good work. Head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere on social media at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. Tell them that Chris sent you and uh, maybe Jacob will hook you up. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Jacob and all my dudes and girls. <laughs> I was going to say dudettes. That sounds kind of dumb. Over at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. I hope to see you guys really soon because I need some more ink. I know that. Also, at the beginning of the show, Carusco, great band out of Dallas, Texas. They are buddies of the show, man. They have sponsored. I think this might be the fourth episode that they've sponsored. But they're doing excellent. They are on tour right now. I think last night they played in Portland, Oregon, and tonight they are in Seattle. So make sure to go to caruscomusic.com. That is C-O-R-U-S-C-O music.com and check them out. They are poised to blow up. They are a great band and I cannot wait for them to get all the success that they deserve. They're one of the hardest working unsigned bands in the world. So go support Carusco. You will not be sorry if you do so. And uh, yeah, that's that's what's going on here, man. We had a really bad storm last night and we lost power for close to 14, 15 hours. And this was supposed to be up earlier today, but now it's coming out because 
we didn't have power. And as soon as the power came on, I was like, I need to go finish my podcast. So I ran back to my studio and I am doing it for you guys right now. And I have a new segment that I'm going to do today. It's actually, it might turn into its own kind of bonus episode at some point, but I have a new segment and it's a radio segment. I'm going to start highlighting bands on the show that I had something to do with or that I just really, really like. And uh, yeah, I'm going to roll some theme music and then we're going to get right into our segment. So here's the theme music. On this first installment of TOTOT Radio, I'm going to be highlighting a wonderful band by the name of Brazil. Yes, just like the country, Brazil. I actually was the bass player in Brazil for a while. They're all really, really good friends of mine. They're from right here in Indiana. They were on Fearless Records. They put out some amazing songs, and uh, I think they broke up way before their time. They, they're an underappreciated band. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy them. I wanted to do this because they are getting ready to have a reunion show at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis on August 30th. Tickets are only $15 in advance or at the door. And you can get advanced tickets at fanlink.to forward slash Brazil Ticks, T-I-X. So uh, if you guys don't know anything about Brazil, that's cool. You're going to find out right now. But I love this band. Uh, the songs mean a lot to me. I got to play a lot of them all over the country. We we toured with all kinds of great bands like Emory and we did the Warp Tour. And I just I think they're a very underappreciated band. And I hope that this show is not just a one off reunion show. I kind of hope they keep going. But uh, we're going to be doing an episode in the future to, to kind of talk to the guys in Brazil and and figure out this reunion show. And uh, I hope all of you guys in Indiana are going to go check it out. Like I said, $15 tickets on August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis. Tickets are going really, really quickly. So if you want to go, you got to go figure it out right now. But uh, I'm going to get right into a song of theirs I really, really, really like. I used to play this all the time with them on the road. It's called A Hostage. It is off of their debut full-length album on Fearless Records, A Hostage in the Meaning of Life. And if, like I said, if you guys have slept on Brazil, you know, you, you got to figure it out. They're a great band, and I hope they're going to come back and make some more music because they, I mean, I was a fan before I was ever in the band, and now I'm more of a fan. And I have so many great tour stories, and I can't wait to have, I've already had Eric and Jonathan from Brazil on the show but uh, I can't wait to, to sit down and, and have some more, some more reminiscing of the crazy shit we used to do on the road. But uh, I'm going to get right into it. This is A Hostage by Brazil. I hope you guys enjoy it and make sure to get your tickets for their reunion show August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis.
I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The The Corner Corner of Gray Street. So yeah, that was Brazil with A Hostage. That is the first installment of the new segment, TOTOT Radio. We'll see what comes of it. I just, I sit around and come up with new ideas to make the show a little bit cooler and have different content and whatnot. But uh, make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. If you want to leave me some love or some hate, you can call the TOTOT hotline. That is 1-765-372-8818. Please review, rate, subscribe, everything, wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps the show out. But I'm going to stop rambling. This has been a long intro. I'm going to get right into my conversation with Mr. Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. I had such a great time talking to Mark, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. And I'm on the line with Mr. Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. How are you today, Mark? I am very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I, I'm doing great, man. I'm glad that we can make this happen. Uh, I, I, we've met way, way back in the day on Warp Tour. I'm pretty sure, but it's been a really long time. So, would, would that be Warp Tour 2012? No, that would be Warp Tour 2003. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. The only, the only thing, like I remember meeting you guys, I'm not sure who it is exactly it was, but, uh, I, I watched the, some kind of monster Metallica DVD on your bus. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I'm the, I'm the super Metallica fan in the group. So it was probably you and I, I was trying to think because I had Eddie, you know, formerly of your band on the show last year. And I was telling him about that and he didn't remember. And I'm like, I can't remember for the life of me, what member of the band invited me on the bus to watch it. Cause it's right after it came out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love that documentary. Well, I mean, what I don't love about it is that like, I'm like, it's shocking because I think throughout my, in my head, like throughout the entire time, like this is the same band that wrote and, and made the song battery. Yeah. Which is just wild when they're playing the stuff that they're playing. They just can't put it together. And then it makes me think like, maybe this is just, these guys just have way too much money and don't know how to act anymore. I mean, I, I can see that. That's the thing. The same thing that you just said is what kind of drives me crazy. Like even when you watch, I mean, I like the new record. I, I like Death Magnetic. But when you see them in the studio, like writing the songs, because they put everything up online now, it's like, yeah. James, why don't you just sit there and write a badass riff like you used to do? Like what happens when you get older and rich and you can't come up with that shit anymore? I don't know. You know, I, I got like the new album. I have, you know, listening to the new album, I, um, uh, 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 hardwired. I think you know what I mean. Like if you put hardwired in the same recording as in Justice for All, the same recording as Ride the Lightning or Kill 'Em All, like that's just it's the same shit. It's oh yeah, there. I think the production value does have a lot to do with it. I don't know if you. I'm a Metallica geek, so I go on YouTube all the time, and you can like people have used you know programs to make you know what if the Black Album was recorded in 1983 and stuff like that. Wow. No, I didn't know that. I mean, I am, a, I am also a Metallica geek. So, but I do think like, man, it would be sick if hardwired had the same exact guitar tone as injustice for all. Like, yeah. why isn't he getting that old fucking all the mid down treble up bass up that old shit, like that Pantera, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. a lot, a lot could be said for doing it all digitally. I mean, you know, I, I love recording on tape and I also love using pro tools, but I, I, I know that live now they're using a fractal system, so they don't even really have amps. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they're not, there's not like, you know, 20 Marshall stacks on the stage or Mesa boogies. They're using one of those fractals, which I'm sure you've seen those before. It's just basically like an amp modeler and it just goes out through the PA. I have seen it. I actually remember the first time I saw it and I couldn't believe what I was, like, I, I was like, how is this happening right now? I, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, but, uh, everything is just direct now. But I mean, I, you change with the times and they have such a huge, I mean, you guys are a bigger band, but when you see Metallica's like set up for the stage and everything, I think it's all about streamlining, you know? Yeah. But you know what? That doesn't take away the fact that they could still get that same exact guitar tone that True. they used to have. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's just... I don't know, modernizing with the times, you know, trying to match what other bands are doing. But when you listen right. to those tones on justice, I mean, they're insane, man. It, it's the shit. Like, you know, people always talk about how bad that album sounds. And I'm like, yo, not really. Like, this album sounds amazing. What are you talking about? It was, like, a, it was a conscious effort, man. I mean, I know there's not a lot of bass on there, but you put that up against anything else. And it's it has its own color. It has its own like like feeling, you know? Yeah, I, I I know. So this isn't a Metallica podcast, but I'm really cool. It's really you know cool what? I mean, I, 
I can keep on going. I'm, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll come back to some Metallica. But uh, the first thing I want to get out of the way, I, I always put promo stuff up on the Instagram, and your band's Instagram account actually just alerted me that you just had a birthday. I did. I just turned 38. 38. Okay, you're two years younger than me, man. We're right there in the same ballpark. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never had, like, I don't care that I'm 38. Like, it's not a big thing. But this was the first age where I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm I'm halfway there. I'm yeah. almost halfway there, you know? Yeah, Whatever Because if you think if you die around 80, which is kind of the life expectancy nowadays, like, you and I are middle age, man. It's crazy. I know. I know. <laughs> in my head, I'm still, like, 15, 16 years old. I'm killing it, you know? Rock. But uh, my body, you know? Yeah. My body. My wife makes Shoulders fun of me hurting. all the time because like I'm, I've turned 40 last October and you know, right now I'm wearing a converge hoodie and a Wu-Tang clan shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know if I should like, be doing that, but I'm not going anywhere today. So like, that's the thing. Like I still wear black hoodies and, and jeans and converse. I'm like, yo, when my dad, I remember my dad at, at, you know, 38, 40, like he wore a suit to the city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just what old people when you're young, like they just dressed like they're old and I, I feel like that's 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 kind of ending. Yeah, I, I think it is too. I mean, I think it's all generational. I mean, it's weird because if you think about, you know, your dad wore a suit to the office, my dad wore a suit to the office, and then on the weekends, like my dad would still wear like a polo shirt and shorts or whatever. So it, it's, right. it's weird to think that now that we're becoming the dads that we're kind of just wearing. I, I haven't really changed my, what I wear since I was in junior high. It's kind of sad. Right. Me, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> There's some to that. Like, yeah, I thought like, yeah, maybe I should, but I, you know what? I like, I, so I have this thing for gilded hoodies. I have about, I have a client, like instead of suits, I have gilded pullover sweatshirts in all different colors. Yeah. But, and I bought some for my son. Like I bought a bunch of them for my son and he didn't like wearing them. I was like, yo man, why are you not wearing these? You, you look good. He, and he actually said, these are for old people. <laughs> <laughs> See, the times have changed. It's, it's the same. It's just different, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, we were talking about your birthday uh, and your bandmates or whoever's running your Instagram wanted to know how your birthday tacos were. Yeah. Did you see what I said? I saw that you said they were really good, but I just, I don't know if all my listeners aren't on Instagram, so you might want to fill them in. I think uh, the exact thing that I said was totes amazing. Totes amazing. Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so were they homemade tacos or did you go get them somewhere? Well, I, um, I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian, uh, you know, maybe since 2008, right? So what I do is I'll usually get, um, you know, Beyond Meat or, or uh, Boca or, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, even sometimes Morningstar, but like, um, I, and then, you know, that's the meat I'll use. And then, uh, man, I, I, I'm really pumped, like throwing, I, I throw a bunch of cumin in there, a bunch of garlic. And then like, I'll, I'll even throw like, you know, like Trader Joe's taco packet in there. And yeah, I, that's, that's some, that's my favorite shit. Like on tour, like as soon as I got on tour, like the first day I called my wife, I was like, yo, I want tacos the first day I get home. <laughs> awesome. <man. laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd like to, you know, on behalf of the podcast myself and all the listeners, happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so you, you said that, uh, you know, before we started recording, you were doing sound checks. So are you guys playing some more tonight? You know what? Yeah, we're, we, um, we're just out for the weekend. We played, uh, we played St. Pete last night, um, with that band, uh, Blue October. Okay. I, I never met him, but man, very, very nice guys. And, uh, tonight is with Blue October and, and Jimmy Eat World. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's a killer show, man. 
Yeah. So, uh, so it's just for the weekend, and then and then and then we have off until June, and then we go to uh, the UK and Europe. Are, were you uh, already friends with the Jimmy World guys? They're such nice guys. They're very good guys. Yeah, very nice guys. We did one tour with them. Like we played a shitload of shows throughout the years, but we did uh, one tour with them in like 2005 or something like that. Yeah. Like, or six, but um, yeah, very, very good guys. Awesome. Well, hey man, I want to get right into this. I've got some stuff that I always ask my guests. You know, uh, when you were younger, what made you want to get into music? And I mean, you know, specifically drumming. You know, my, I always, as soon as I started listening, I, you know, I just, I love music. I knew that right, right off the bat. But my aunt, um, I was over at my aunt's house one Christmas, you know, my whole family was there, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she had a snare drum. My cousin played snare drum in like middle school or high school. And I asked her for it. Wow. And she gave it to me. And, and then that was it. Just I, a I single just snare drum, not like a set, just a snare drum. Right, just yeah. a single snare drum. And, and I never stopped since. Did you learn like, you know, rudiments and stuff, like the stuff that you do when it's really like structured? I started getting lessons around, um, you know, I probably, that was probably like seven or eight. I got that snare drum and then I got lessons around 10 and my first teacher like really stuck to, um, playing to a metronome okay. and, uh, and, and doing the rudiments and playing on a pad and like, that's how you get good. And I'm really, really happy that he did that because, um, he was right. He was yeah. right. That's how, that's how you play well. And, and, uh, you know, precise, I feel like. So uh, on the notes that I took, Taking Back Sunday formed in 1999 in Amityville, New York. Did you grow up around Amityville or were you more like Long Island? Or is that all the kind of the same sort uh, of thing? Yeah, Amityville, there's two counties in, in Long Island, Nassau County and uh, Suffolk County. Amityville is the first town in Suffolk County. It's a little bit more out east. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's all Long Island. But yeah, I grew up in... Um, I grew up in uh, Rockwell Center. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. And so and, when you were doing that, you, you started taking lessons and, you know, you're learning how to play drums. Did you ever like, you know, go down another av- avenue like guitar or bass or was it all drums for you? No, I, I play guitar. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I, I play guitar. Um, but, um, you know, I only took lessons for maybe two or three years. What, and then what really I feel like made me a player was putting on my headphones and, and playing to, you know, the Beatles, you know, and, and like Guns N' Roses, like easy stuff to play. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then moving up, like once my older brother got me into all the, uh, all the punk rock that I, you know, like he showed me, you know, jawbreaker. As soon as I heard, uh, unfun, yeah. um, like that, I, I would just go to my basement and hour for hours and, and play, to bands that I like. So that that's how I, I feel like I really became my own drummer. Man, I, w- I was excited to talk to you today because in preparation, I always kind of immerse myself in the band of my guests. So a little bit ago, my son and I were watching on demand on Comcast, all your videos are on there. Oh, cool. oh, really? Yeah, and I was watching. I can't remember exactly which one it is, but you guys are all like talking to the same girl and there's like a split screen of everybody. And, yeah, yeah. and like with Eddie, there's a clash poster and like all these different things. But with you, there's a kid dynamite poster. And I'm like, Oh man, we're going to get along really well. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I was actually looking at you. I, I, I saw a picture. You, know, you with minor thread shirt. And I was like, damn. I, I kind of, I want that shirt. <laughs> so yeah, Rockabilia dot com. They're one of the biggest sponsors of the podcast, man. They're amazing. I'm sure they'd probably send oh, really? you one. Yeah, I'll hook uh, you. I'll hook you up with uh, Frankie's info. He's the guy over at Rockabilia. Awesome. All right. Because they sent yeah, they um, sent me one and my son one. <laughs> oh, that's fucking. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was another band, minor threat that. As soon as I heard it, I, you know, as soon as you hear something like that, you never hear anything like that before that. You know what I mean? Like and it kind of ruins everything else because I always felt like when I got into punk rock, it was so much passion and energy. It almost like jumped out of the speakers and you put that up against Bon Jovi or some bullshit like that. It just doesn't compare. Right. Like you instantly, you know, everybody else is a cornball. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. <laughs> yeah. So minor threat, I mean, what was, was there, I know growing up on the East coast, like in that long Island area, there were so many bands, you know, before the whole taking back Sunday thing, were were you into the local scene or when did that come about? You know, I didn't really, I don't know why I just didn't put two and two together. Like, like I love VOD, like vision of disorder. Like, and I knew that they, they were from right where we're from. And I, that blew my mind. But like, you know, I, I, I also listened to Siv and, and Gorilla Biscuits and like, I didn't find out that they were from New York until I was in my 20s. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't understand. I, I don't know. I guess I didn't really understand much yeah. before I uh, turned 30. Yeah, but, I, I got you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, I love VOD. Um, and like I said, Gorilla Biscuits, Siv, and then... Uh, you know, also like New York hardcore, like Indecision. Oh yeah, they, they were a great band. Great band. Um, so I did, I did like going to 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 hardcore shows, but I didn't really, I didn't know that there was like a whole, like the whole thing, like you know, people call it emo. So I'm just gonna fucking call it emo. But there was like <laughs> this thing when I joined Taking Back Sunday. I was like, man, I didn't even know that this it, this existed. You yeah. know, like uh, Silent Majority and all those bands well and and that's the thing that you know i, I remember talking to eddie about it because emo has kind of become this dirty word but i mean you guys kind of brought it to the masses like i remember when i bought the first record and i didn't really have any expectations at all i would just you know i saw it and it was on sale i think it was the first or second week it came out and i always used to check out the victory stuff and when i popped it in the cd player it was different i mean it was like it was poppy enough to appeal to people, but it had this like heart to it. It had this different thing. And like, I think you guys emo has become a bad word, but I don't think it has to be, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, well first, thank you for saying that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And, um, but yeah, like it's become, you know why? Because at that time, like around the 2003, 2004, 2005, you had all these cornballs with shitty haircuts. <laughs> yeah. The grandma haircut. Right, the grandma haircut, yeah. or like, or like the white girl thug haircut. You know oh what yeah, I'm yeah, totally, man. It, it's the same thing as uh, you know, I used to fuck with people that like work for us and say, "I'm like, man, you guys must go to the same salon as my aunt Sally because you look exactly <laughs> like her." <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's I want to talk to your manager haircut, but it's on a dude that plays drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's where I think it turned from, like you know, like um all the early 90s shit like i don't know like elliot and all, all the good stuff Dude, can no we, can we that, just say say for a second how great of a band elliot is 
great band or was i guess <laughs> they, they right. were they were my intro into the whole emo thing so like when i heard bands like taking back sunday and got you know in the early 2000s that were kind of taking it a different direction it still had that same soul i think that the elliot stuff had well that's like straight up like like eddie eddie was like a like a founder in the long island yeah scene so like he really like that's what he was into he loved that shit he loved like quicksand and, and sunny day real estate and Elliot. And he loved Jimmy world. Like he was rock. Like I remember like in the van, like him playing, uh, uh like clarity just constantly on repeat. Yeah. So, but, um, I, you know what? I lost, what were we, I, we, we, we were just kind of discussing how the whole emo thing became this almost like, it, it, to me, it was like people treated it like glam metal, but I don't think it needed that. It it, it wasn't like that. It was this movement in music, and I think right. it deserves yes. more respect. And when people say, "Oh, I don't want to say emo," like, dude, it's it's what it was, and it was great. Yeah, that is that is one hundred percent. And I think, like, yeah, like I said, it was it was that whole stigma of you know bitchy little kids wearing have with bad haircuts you know so that's yeah. where that came from and and it was kind of i don't know it's a little embarrassed like it's a little embarrassing i guess to like be put in that like yeah i don't know you know what i mean but well i mean but, there's such a resurgence too with all the emo night like there's an emo night tour there's all this crazy stuff so i mean it's crazy it means now a lot a, to so a, many people still there's a live emo night now there's a band touring live <laughs> live emo night that's awesome, man. <laughs> it is, you know? Well, I, I do want to talk about, so, you know, taking, like I said, Taking Back Sunday formed in 1999 in Amityville, New York. When did you join? I know you weren't the original drummer. Well, I, I did join in 99. There, there was uh, one dude before me. Okay. And he was in the band maybe like, I don't know, like three, four months, something like that. And then he he, he left for some, another band. I, I don't know what band it was, but... um. That's when I, I got invited, you know, to try out, and I did. And it, yeah, that was '99. Was it like an actual audition process, or was it just jamming? Like, like what was the what was the vibe like when it was going down? Well, it was um, just Eddie. Eddie was there, and John was there. Okay. So there's no bass player. That was one thing that I was weirded out by how there's no bass player there. I was like, huh. Yeah, who do you um, who do you lock in with, really? I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Why is just no bass player? But um, uh, it was kind of like you know, I heard they they had made a demo and I listened to it, and um, you know, and there was a, I, I saw like I, I was like, oh man, yo, there there could be something to this. So yeah, it it was an audition. Like I didn't really I knew Eddie, I knew Eddie because Sean, our bass player, lived across the street from the drummer of the movie life. Okay. So like we would be out, out front of Sean's house all the time. Like that's where our hangout spot was. And, and we would, and movie life would have practice all the time. And, uh, it was funny because Eddie was kind of like, would like yell things at us? <laughs> and I didn't know him. And, uh, I was like, man, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? But, um, do you remember any of the things he would yell at you? Um, yeah, you know what? Because we used to drink a lot and smoke a lot of weed. So he would yell like, you know, fucking losers. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, yeah, he, but, uh, I mean, that's that's that sounds like Eddie. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it is. It is 100% that is Eddie. And I didn't realize who he was at that time. Yeah. And like that, that's, you know, that, that was kind of like his charm. Um, 
but yeah. And then when I showed up to the, um, to the tryout, I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Because a friend of mine worked with our old singer at this Mexican restaurant in Long Island named Don Juan. So I had no idea that it was that dude that was in my, you know, uh, the movie life. Yeah. So that's how, that's how that ended up. <laughs> that's, well, I'm, I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked out. Right. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. So that, that demo that you were talking about, five track demo, was that, uh, or actually in 2001, the, the five track demo that you guys had out, is that what attracted victory? No. Oh, oh wait. Well, well, uh, you said they had a demo in 99 when you joined and then, right. Well, I, with that demo that we had, a, we had a singer, we had a different singer at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then when, uh, that singer left, um, that's when Ed, Adam and John started singing. So then we made a demo quickly after that. And that's what victory heard. Okay. Were there, was it a lot of the same like demo versions of songs that ended up on the debut? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think four out of the five ended up on, on, the, on the debut album. Dude, you're in the Tories. Like, I mean, did that, when you guys were doing the thing, like just at, at, at the peak, did it really sink in? Well, I tell you, I joined kind of right after the peak. I, w- I was friends. I was friends with Chris, the singer, and when they needed a guitarist, I got in there. So, I mean, I got to ride a little bit of that wave. But yeah, I mean, just knowing knowing the guys in the Ataris and knowing Chris from for a really long time, I mean, I'm not sure if it really sunk in. It was it's it's one of those right place, right time kind of things. I mean, you put in the work, of course, you have to work hard, but sometimes yeah. it just happens. And yeah, I, I think it, it took. I knew it took him a while for it to kind of sink in that they had gotten to where they had they had gotten to, you know. Yeah. How how did where are you, are you from California? No, I'm from Indiana. That's actually where the singer Chris Rowe is actually from. I grew up in the next town over. Are you from uh like are are you from around where like Axel Rose is from? Uh yeah, he actually grew up about an hour and 20 minutes north of where I live. Ah. And I've spent other time, like I, I live down on the coast. I'm back in Indiana now because I have some children and it's a nice, quiet place to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've, uh, Axl Rose, that was something funny growing up. I mean, I, I love the tangents on this podcast, but, uh, my mom used to, uh, tell my sister and I that she dated Axl Rose right before she met my dad. <laughs> Is that true? No, it's totally not true. Oh. <laughs> but I, I, I will tell you this, though, if you want to hear a cool story. Um, Jake, the old drummer from the Ataris that was in the Ataris during my kind of tenure with the band, his he's from Elwood, Indiana, which is a couple towns over. And his father used to work at this factory, and he worked with Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon. And they, no way. Yeah, they were friends. And one day, Shannon came in and said, hey, man, I won't be here next week. I'm flying out to L.A. to record with Guns N' Roses. That's crazy. And then he never came back. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because he recorded like backups on Don't Cry or whatever. And then he just stayed out there. But yeah, so it's kind of a weird little, weird little state. There's a lot of actual famous people. I mean, you could go up to Gary and see like where the Jacksons lived. And like, it's, right. It's, yeah. It's pretty insane, man. It's a little podunk state, but there's a lot here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I like it there. It's nice, you know? Yeah. Cause I know you guys have been in Indianapolis quite a bit. We have, as far as touring goes and whatnot. You know, and my um, my my wife is uh, she's Indian, Muslim, right? Okay. And, and uh, where where does uh, John Mer- 
John Mellencamp lived. There's that like college town. It's very it's Bloom, Bloomington, Indiana. It's where Indiana University is at. It's it's about two and a half hours south of where I'm at. I'm an hour north of Indianapolis, and then it's another like hour south. But you, you know, so they're you know they're an Indian family. Like her cousins live there, and uh, they love it. They absolutely love it there. I don't know. He Bloom, got like, Bloomington's a job an amazing town, man. I mean, with the college right there, it's one of the one of the hipper cities in Indiana. It's a little more liberal, you know. Yeah. But yeah, Indiana, but, uh, Indiana. I've not really talked about Indiana on this podcast at all. This is kind of cool, man. Thanks. Because <laughs> I'm always talking to like people on the coast or from other countries and like, where do you live? And I'm like, Indiana. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's cool that you know a little bit about it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with Tell All Your Friends, jumping back into this, when it came out, I, I, I don't remember a lot of promotion, but I remember Victory. It seemed like they'd always have like eight or nine new signings and the things would just come out. And from what I read in my research, the first week it only sold 2000 units, but then it just exploded. Like, do you know, like, was there a rhyme or reason for it? Was it promotion or was it just like, you know, lightning striking? I, you know, out of nowhere, like literally nowhere. Um, kids were just coming out. I, I don't know how it happened. Like, like eventually we did end up like, remember when those MTV two spots, Yeah, yeah. like, Ban, you know, like ban, like MTV Two was great for that, but uh, but before that, there was there was just something, you know, happening, and it was kind of like that thing. Like we look at each other, like what the fuck? <laughs> Where uh, the shows were just getting bigger and bigger, right? Yeah, yeah. Like every day, it was it was a different. We would notice that it was getting bigger. So I don't, I mean, you know, I don't know. How do you explain that? You know, like I. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy. Like I I've talked a lot to uh, you know, Chris from the Ataris and and there was a time where we kind of got sick of playing Boys of Summer. And mm-hmm. I've had so many conversations with him and it's like, you know, that album that got really big and kind of did it for the band was a great record, great songs on there. Chris did an amazing job writing the songs, but you know, that boys of summer cover was kind of an afterthought, like an extra day in the studio. Let's fuck around. And that's crazy. It's like, it's like if that wouldn't have happened, I mean, the band was already at a level where they were in a bus, they were headlining warp tour, but that, that single kind of broke the band to the mainstream audience. And that one, say that one day doesn't happen or, or they decide to record a different Don Henley song or whatever. Like the band's career is completely different, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, also that song, uh, in this diary that was on that album. Yeah. 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 That was a, that was a big hit. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing like that, the, the success of boys of summer, I think helped the other singles to get in the singles. They were worthy of being, you know, on the billboard or whatever. It was just with that cover, that cover opened up the doors for a lot of new fans to come in. And I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you why, because that's a really good cover. Like, I enjoy listening to that song still now. Like, it, it's a good cover. You know, that's why it was it was as big as it was. But um, I well, bet you people were not happy when you, you yeah, were not playing it live. They, they were, yeah. It was funny. I remember we were in, uh, like, State College, Pennsylvania or somewhere. This is back 10 years ago. And Chris was like, I don't think we're going to play Boys of Summer tonight. And I'm like, dude, there's going to be a riot if we don't play it. <laughs> Yeah. So we, we ended up playing it, but I always used uh, the thing that Chris changed lyrically in that song. Instead of saying deadhead sticker, he says black flag sticker. 
So mm-hmm. the first time that I met Henry Rollins, I used that as my entrance into kind of not just being a fan and actually kind of get to know him. And he talked to me for like a good half hour, 45 minutes. He's a really nice guy. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard only really good things about Henry Rollins. He's wonderful. Yeah. Trying to get him on the show, but he's turned me down like three times. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep, keep trying. Keep trying. That would be a good man. episode. So, uh, so that album, Tell All Your Friends, like we said, it just went crazy. You guys ended up touring with all kinds of bands, brand new Rufio, The Used, Blood Brothers, everything. You finally get up to a headlining tour. And after the headlining tour, two members of the band decide to leave, John and Sean. Was yes. It, was it just... I mean, now it's kind of almost like folklore because people that love your band, they know all about it. But was it just inner turmoil with different members? Was it just too much, the, the rise of the band? What was it? It was inner tur- turmoil. It was, it, was, it was everything, like, to John. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was a fuck. We were a mess. Like, the, the amount of drinking that was happening was just fucking insane. Like, it, it turned into a complete shit show. Um, that being said, when, when, but when, when John and Sean left, I, I was, I was devastated. You know what I mean? Like I, I could not accept it. And, um, even when Fred and Matt joined and took their places, like I wanted them to be John and Sean so badly because like, you know, it, to me, it kind of turned into this, 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 it it was like now, instead of being like the same people that played in my parents' basement and, and at the at the tiny little shithole uh, studio in, in Long Island, we were this band with these people. Yeah. So um, I, I, it's I didn't like, like keep, it. keep the machine going. It's not that same feeling right. of the guys that started and got signed. Because, I mean, that's what people don't understand. Like, like, even, you know, we'll go back to Metallica since we both love them so much. You can have any bass player you want in that band. And I'm telling you, I love Jason Newstead. I love Rob. Like, it's great. But you're never going to have those guys again, like that were on Kill 'em All, or even like back to Ron McGovney, their first bass player. Like, when you've got mm-hmm. that, that, that connection with those guys and you were in the trenches doing it, and then later on you have to get some new pieces in, it does change the dynamic quite a bit. 100%. I, I actually saw an interview with James Hetfield fairly recently of him talking about like, all the bass players in the band and like kind of putting like a label on each one. Like, 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 uh, Jason was the most dependable, uh, you know, uh, Rob is the most talented and he, and then he was like, um, Oh my God. I, I just drew a blank. The bass player cliff cliff, uh, was the best take, uh, bass player that Metallica did and will ever have. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you, you can see like the heartbreak in his eyes when he said it. Oh yeah. It's kind of sad. So, I mean, that's also having Fred come in first. John, John was such a, such an integral part of the songwriting. How did, how did that affect the songwriting in the band? Um, for me, it, it affected it in, in a very negative way because, um, John and Fred are two very, very different people. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, John is a dude that I take my guitar parts to and I take all my parts to like, so when, when there's music that I make, you know, like I'll take it to John, show him first with, with Fred. Um, that just was not a possibility. He, he would not hear it. He would not be what John was. So, so for me, it, it was, um, it made it really difficult to write music, but 
as with John and Sean, it, it's just, it's easy, really easy to just come up with a song. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys wrote some really, really good stuff. Cause you know, after that you guys put out, uh, where you want to be, which was your second, mm-hmm. your second album on victory that debuted at number three. It went gold. I mean, it's probably platinum by now. So it, it seems like, Almost. it seems like it was still working, but was it, was it still like you guys were having a lot of interband issues? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was working. We made it work. It was just, like I said, for me, it was just um, not as much fun and, and much harder to deal with. So with, with that second record, it came out and it's just, you know, it's blowing up like crazy even more than the other one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know you guys, you guys were on Jimmy Kimmel. You guys were on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack with the Ataris and a bunch of other bands. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you guys were signing to Warner in 2005, what was that courtship like? And did you have any negative like fan reactions or were you guys worried about making that jump? Uh, you know, there was a little bit like, you know, we heard, you know, the whole, you know, the whole thing sell out, blah, blah, blah. But um, it wasn't that bad. And and we knew that we were going from a label, you know, an indie label that's supposed to keep it, you know, you're supposed to keep it real, whatever the fuck it is, uh, to Warner, like, we, we were getting robbed. We were getting fucking jacked by that dude. And then we signed to Warner Brothers and, and it was a fair contract. You know what yeah. I mean? So I didn't give a fuck. Was it for more than, like, how many records was it for, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, you know, I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe, it was, uh, you know, tell you the truth. Was your, was your contract with Victory over, or were you guys, did you guys have to get out of that contract through, like, you know, legal We got issues? bought out. Oh, you got bought yeah, we out? Yeah, got, we, we got bought out okay. by uh, Warner Brothers. And so uh, Victory has since released, like, a best of and everything. Did you guys have anything to do with that, or is that just something they do? No, they just did that. Like, like the best of the two albums. Yeah, the best of the two albums. <laughs> yeah, like it was just a thing one day. We're like, what the? Fuck? Because I, the I remember, see- this, dude. I remember seeing that because, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the guys on Thursday and some of the guys on Atreyu, and I'd always see like the bands that left Victory a few years later. It would be like a best of Atreyu. I'm like, are you? How do you even do that? I don't know. You know what? The- He's he, the dude's a marketing genius. You oh, know what definitely. I mean? Like, yeah. So, well, I mean, where you yeah. want to, where you want to be that the album that came out second on Victory. I was reading all kinds of interviews and like like articles in preparation for this talk. Like they had like the street team and like they did all this like guerrilla marketing that wasn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't pay for like a you know the radio stuff. They just and I mean it worked. <laughs> it worked, man. I mean, if you if you listen to like Master P talk about how he got uh no limit started it's it's like kind of similar like yeah. they, it's the same that hustle like get out on the street and and hustle your cds like he did that shit you know it, which is you know you got to give him credit with credit too that's it was pretty it's pretty good you know what i mean i was when when i had tucker on the show we were talking about how they showed up one time and they had thursday whoopee cushions to promote their the, the that's record fucking awesome and and they were like man we don't we're not into this and they're like no these are these are promotional whoopee cushions i'm like man i just i don't know i, I don't know if i'd sign off on that or not no and I, I yeah knowing the dudes in thursday there's no way that they were happy about that yeah totally that's man. actually it's actually really funny to think about their reaction when they first heard. Yeah, well, if you get bored sometime, go back his, his episodes at the beginning when I started doing this. <laughs> hey, who, who'd you do it with? You did it with Tucker? Yeah, I did it with Tucker. 
great guy. Yeah, you know, we, we we were just on tour with uh, Frank Iero. Yeah, I've been seeing and, uh, all his stuff on uh, on Facebook. I did, I didn't even realize he was playing drums with Frank. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, I found out like a week before the tour, and uh, it's always a pleasure, man. He, he's such a good dude. Well, yeah, and I was so happy for him because he got to do like that week long stint on Seth Meyers' show for a while. Right. Yeah, yes. That's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go back to you. Enough Tucker talk. <laughs> All right. <yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> 2006, man, louder now. It went gold. It peaked at number two. It's mm-hmm. I, it's got to be platinum by now, or at least close, right? You know, it's still at nine hundred. It's been at nine hundred thousand for years. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't know when it's going. Hopefully, it'll happen soon. You're gonna but, get, um, you're gonna get your plaque at some point, man. At some point, I, I I'm waiting, man. I I can't wait for it. You've got yes. you've got the gold plaques, right? I do. Okay. Yes. Well, that's good. I mean, but yeah, I I, I guarantee here in the next couple of years you'll be getting a, probably three platinum plaques. I would think. I I, I think so. I yeah. <laughs> I hope so. And man, it just sucks that music doesn't really sell anymore, right? <laughs> I know. I know. It's a problem. Those numbers are insane when you look at it now, and you you think like Taylor Swift's album comes out and it sells like you know. 80,000 the first week like that that would have been like 2 million back in the day right yeah I don't know it's fucking it's you know what are you gonna do like when people complain about it it's just like yo man it's done yeah it's done you know it's done (laughs) everything's streaming now and it's hard to get money out of those motherfuckers man right yeah (laughs) hopefully you know I'm hoping in like 10 years like it'll be completely figured out yeah so so louder now. That's got uh you know that had Fred on there as being one of the main songwriters, and mm-hmm. and was that a good experience? That whole thing, like your first release on the major. How how was Warner Brothers, and how was like the actual process of of putting that record together? It was you know I mean it was kind of a blur, um, because we were in L.A. and uh, you know we recorded with Eric Valentine, which is amazing. Like I, I was really excited that we were doing the album with him. And, uh, but man, it was also, um, you know, overall it was, it was a really good experience. I, I was definitely, uh, dabbling with, 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 you know, drinking and and other stuff. So my, my brain like kind of shut off for a lot of that time. Yeah. But, um, other than that, like it, it was great. I mean, you know, we're working with one of the, in my opinion, one of the best producers ever for yeah. rock music yeah so it was sick it was, you know that that part was sick well i gotta say the production on that record is amazing it sounds it, so good man it is man like, i i love the way that album sounds and, and the way the drum like the way you know he's a drummer so like he just blasts fucking drums in his mixes and uh it's awesome yeah I've, I've worked with a lot of producers and it's always nice when the producer is you know the same instrument that you play <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's the best i love because they get it you know what i mean yeah. they know what you want so with uh with you know after louder now I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Um, the last time that I actually saw you guys play was when we played together with you guys at Bamboozle in 2009, and uh, I mean I just I just remember that being a really really fun festival. Do you remember anything about that about that fest? Bamboozle 2009, yeah, uh, I remember face to face played. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I'm a big fan of theirs, so I was pretty pumped. I I, I brought Trevor Keith a six pack of, of beer and, and had one with him, and I was, you know, I, I was so pumped. You know, like that was like my band, like it still is. Like oh, last yeah. time we went out to a bar and, and I put face to face on the jukebox. I love that. Um, Were there a lot of other guys in Taking Back Sunday that kind of had that 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 punk 
the going like you do like i can tell that you're really into punk rock it, yeah is everybody uh, pretty eclectic and like you're the punk guy <laughs> you know uh, well sean sean uh, our bass player um him as well like sean and i uh, grew up together you know like i actually yeah. grew up in baldwin with, with uh for the first half of my life but uh yeah sean you know loves uh you know all, all, all you know all the same shit that you would love. That's cool. I have to have, yeah. I have, to have him on the show, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good guy. So, uh, you know, 2010, John and Sean come back. So it's a nice segue into that. What led to them wanting to come back? I know that just from, you know, reading comments and whatnot on the internet, if you're taking back Sunday fan, I know that Adam and John had some issues and there were prob yes. probably issues with other people in the band. So when they decided to come back after a fairly successful run with Straylight Run, their band that they did, mm -hmm. I mean, and I know John does solo stuff. What, what did it take to get them back? Like, when did, when did you know that it was going to happen? Um, well, I'll tell you, like, I, so throughout the entire time that John and Sean were not in the band, I still hung out with them and, and talked to them and whatever. They were still my friends. So, but taking back Sunday, you know, like Fred had quit. So then we got another member, you know, the dude Fozzie. Yeah. From, and, uh, he was from a band called Facing New York. We actually played some shows with him. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So, but it, it was just, it wasn't there anymore. Like there was yeah. nothing there. There was no, it was not fun. It was not fun writing music. It was not fun touring. I, I, I didn't like being around him or anybody yeah. in the band. So it just got, like, I was so unhappy that um, I called our manager and I called Adam at, you know, two different times. And I was like, listen, this is what I want. I want John and Sean back in the band. If, if, we, can't, if we can't make that, like, see if that's an option, um, I'm done. I can't do this anymore because yeah. it's just horrible. So you kind um, of spearheaded the whole thing. I did. Like, it just had to happen. Yeah. Like, there was just no way that the band was going to keep going the way it was. It, it was about to just crap out at any moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So once I said that, like, I was kind of scared that, like, Adam and Eddie were going to be like, all right, well, go fuck yourself, you know? Because <laughs> yeah, that totally could have <laughs> happened, right? Yeah. It was, it was, a, I was really hoping that it wasn't going to happen, but I knew that it was a big possibility. Yeah. Um, uh, but man, when, when I got like the, okay, you know, see what they say, uh, I was so excited. So that night I called John I was like, yo, just hear me out. I'm just going to talk for a couple minutes. Just hear me out. And I was telling him, uh, why he should come back in the band and why it would be great. And we can make great music and this and that, and, and the band could be successful and we could have fun, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, after, you know, probably probably 20 minutes of me ranting he finally goes all right all right yeah let's let's give it a shot and uh i, I mean was, the, the thing i just remember when you guys announced it and like the internet exploded yeah <laughs> so yeah. I, just, I just i can imagine being like a fly on the wall when john's like all right cool let's do this like just i did you guys know how crazy it was going to get with like you know your loyal fans when when the, the other guys came back we did you know i yeah we had this feeling because like you know, Adam and John hadn't, hadn't seen each other, hadn't talked. Um, and if they hadn't talked about each other, it was really bad. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> so, I remember reading um, all kinds of stuff back in the day, like when they do interviews and, and they talk shit about each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that's what happened. And, and 
you know, when we met up to go write music for the first time, it was literally like the same exact thing as it was before us in a room, just, you know, bouncing ideas over each other, like nothing had changed. So we knew it was going to, it was going to work. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I, yeah. I actually, I've got a question. This is always, I've always thought this is really cool. And this is well, while Fozzie was in the band before all this happened, you guys were on Yo Gabba Gabba. Yes. My, my kids love that. I know it's not being produced anymore, but on YouTube, there's just, you know, episode after episode. And I've got to say that my son, who is three years old, his favorite episode is your episode where you guys do the song about pets. That's awesome. That's, uh, yo, kids like that, man. Kids, I, I've, I've heard that a whole lot, actually. So, but thank you. What, what was the, uh, what was that like? I mean, like, did they contact you through management and they wanted you guys to be on there? Did you, did you guys have to record that song at like your, like their studio? Like how did all that go? Tell you the truth. I don't really know how it all happened. I just remember hearing, Hey, we're going to be on Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> and I was like, cool. And then thinking like, all right, well, do we have to write a song? And then, and then being like, nope, they want you to record a song that they wrote. So that's actually the only song that we've ever recorded. Well, that's not true. We did a Smash Pumpkins cover. But other than that, uh, that we haven't written. Okay. So, see, because I was, I was always wondering with that, if, like, since those guys record so much music for the show, if they just, because there's been a lot of other bands on there, if they just record everything and then they just have the singer of the band sing over it? <laughs> no, you, you know, no, we, we did go, we went to a studio in uh in queens in new york and recorded with our friend uh uh general george okay and uh yeah so yeah yeah no we, we recorded it i i might have to find that online and play that as one of the tracks after our interview right, yeah <laughs> actually i think i might do the same thing because i haven't heard it really all the time that's awesome man well hey we're, we're getting pretty low on time i mean we've we've just scratched the surface maybe in the future when you're not busy we'll have you back for a part two but i do have some listener questions i'd like to get to Okay. So uh, Joey from Miami wants to know what your favorite Taking Back Sunday album is that you have made. Hmm. You know. <laughs> That's a hard question, I, right? It, it is a hard question. Like, cause you always want to say like, as a guy, like the, the last album we made was the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's, I have my favorite songs off each album, but, um, I don't know. I, I guess it, it, it I guess Tell Your Friends is, is definitely the most special because that's where it all began. It started it all off, yeah. Without that record, it, yeah. Who knows what would have happened, right? Right. So, yeah, that, that album definitely holds, you know, what, what's the saying? Special place remember. in your heart. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Joey, thank you for your question. Next up, we've got Kelly from Virginia. She wants to know how you guys got Flavor Flav to be in the video for your So Last Summer. Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, Flavor Flav at that time, I, I, uh, you know, hanging out with my friends, coming home from tour, you know, we'd always be in shady areas and in Baldwin and, uh, but you know, public enemy is from a town called Roosevelt, which is right next, right next to Baldwin. Yeah. But so there was like a time period where I was seeing the dude everywhere on his bike. (laughs) So when it came time, like we were talking about starting uh like we were talking about doing the video for so last summer and the director was like all right well do you guys have any ideas so adam myself and 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 him went out to uh tgi fridays and 
the day before I saw him on the bike, I was like, we should just get Flavor Flav. You know, I, and I said it like kind of as a joke. And, and the dude was like, yes, that's that's what we're going to do. I'm going to see what we could do about that. And and that's how that happened. So did you like go through his people or did you just see him somewhere on the street and ask him? I didn't know. No, like I think we went we went through his through his people. Like the, cor- the correct was. channels, however you do it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a cool video. I remember when I saw that. I think I saw it on MTV, too, like in the morning somewhere. I was on tour or something. I'm like, oh, wow. Why is Flavor Flav in this video? <laughs> yeah, it was so... I, when it happened, uh, it was funny. He showed up, you know. He had all of his kids with him. He had lots of kids, man. And he kept on saying... He kept on going, what band is this? <laughs> wait, wait, what band? Who is this? That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, hey... uh, I, I just have a question. This is called that one time on tour. Any crazy or insane tour thing that you can share with us? Um, actually, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was uh, just recently in Salt Lake City, there 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 was like a section for handicapped people. Okay, and um, this girl out of nowhere started pummeling a couple that were both in wheelchairs like hitting them hitting them okay ferociously (laughs) uh like like a fucking rabid animal is this during you guys playing during while we're playing wow and literally adam's like oh oh, hold on stop stop everybody stop and this girl is just it it was why it was insane like literally seeing this like you know when um like like in the old cartoons when like you know the People are rumbling, you know, like you get into yeah. it uh, and, and it's just like dust and shit flying everywhere. Yeah. I swear to God, that's what it looked like to me. And uh, <laughs> they, and it turns out like this girl, when she got kicked out, like so the, the, the bouncers came and like flew, threw her over the over the um, barricade. And then apparently when she got outside, like she started fighting everybody that worked there, too. But was, um, was there ever any explanation of why she was fucking crazy? I, I don't know. Like, I was like, man, this girl had to be on like mess or something. Like, she, yeah. like the way that she was hitting, I was like, that, that is not a, a girl that is, um, just a sober human being yeah. hanging out, watching a show. It, it was fucking crazy. Do so you, that's something. Do you feel like, uh, I have this conversation with a lot of people now, cause I'm sure you guys are on a bus. It's a little bit different than the touring was back in the day. Do you feel yeah. like it's, less kind of random you know what i mean like back in the day when you were in the van you never knew what was going to happen and nowadays you know you're on a bus you're playing the venues are all kind of the same do you ever yeah you ever feel like it's groundhog day a little bit yeah without a doubt i mean i'm just sitting here on the bus right now and like it's just that's how it is yeah but you know what like i i guess at like at at our age that's what it should be like you know what I mean? Like you don't want to be, I don't know, doing the shit that I did when I was in my twenties. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is kind of like Groundhog Day without without a doubt. Well, that's cool. And I mean, you, you said before you're married, you've got kids. Does it? Yeah, uh, I, I've one, I've one kid, and and I'm actually my uh, wife is due in July, so wow. I'm gonna have a a girl. I, I have a little boy and a little girl, and it's it's great to have the combo. I, I bet, I bet. That's what I've heard. I'm really excited. Is it is it hard for you to go on the road? It is. It is. Um, it, it gets. It feels like I feel like it gets harder every time. Yeah. But um, you know, sometimes like you just got to say like, you know, 
this is your job. You yeah, know, I mean, suck that's, it up. That's what you do. It's your job. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I feel the same way that the reason I started doing this podcast is because I, I don't really tour much anymore. And I missed kind of being a part of the scene and it's let me back into friends lives and, 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 you know, new friends like you and I met like a long ass time ago, but now we're friends, man. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I, I listen, you know, knowing that I was going to talk to you, I listened to you. Um, and, uh, you, you give a good, you give a good interview. It's, it's nice to talk to somebody that knows what the fuck you're talking about. You know, I, I take a lot, like I've got like three pages of notes for this interview, but I've only used like five questions. Really. I just, I like to over prepare, but I also like tangents. Like I don't have to use everything on my notes or anything. I just like having conversations. And that's where I think maybe this is a little bit different than most interviews because I just want to get to know the person and kind of how everybody's life went, how they, their rise to fame, their fall, like whatever. Like I'm just interested in people's stories. Um, so are you saying that you didn't write down on a piece of paper, talk about Metallica for 20 minutes in the beginning of the interview? No, that just always happens. And the more episodes <laughs> that you listen to of my podcast, you'll find out that it always happens. Yeah. Man. That's really funny. We're just gonna Best have band to, ever. We're gonna Best have to. We're gonna have to geek out on Metallica. We'll just have a, an episode where you come back and we just talk about Metallica. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. Well, uh, so you guys released last year twenty is what it's called. So you know the twenty uh -huh. year anniversary. It's like, kind of like a best of, right? Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it is. Without calling it, I actually, I, I seriously wanted to call it songs that people seem to like the most. <laughs> I like that. Because, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you know, they're not really hits, but you know, when we play them live, those, these are the songs that they go the craziest to. Well, that's cool, man. And I'm, I bet it's got a lot more hits on it than the victory best of had. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, um, what, what does the future look like? I know you said you're getting ready to go to the UK. Like what can we expect from taking back Sunday in the, you know, next year or two to come? So, um, yeah, we're going to UK after that, you know, uh, we're playing like weekend festivals, but then we're doing a fall tour October and November with, uh, Red City Radio. Oh, great band. Great band. Yeah. Great band. Good, good people. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about that. So, uh, we have that going on and then, um, I don't know, you know, after that, probably take a little bit of a break and then do the normal thing. Start getting together and, and writing that's cool man uh yeah. what are what are your socials for you and the band you so people can check you out and they can see pictures of your tacos and stuff uh well me i am at mark o'connell tbs on instagram okay and then i think taking back sunday is just i think it's taking, taking back, back sunday. sunday yeah 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 i think that's what yeah it is. uh you guys you guys do most of your posting and stuff there do you, do you have like a website that you guys utilize um, I, I think, you know, I get everything from Instagram, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, that was, I stopped using Twitter and, and Facebook really. And I don't know, Instagram is kind of my thing, but yeah, that's where I get, if I need to know where we're playing, when I'll, I'll go to our Instagram. Cool. Well, Hey man, I've had such a great time having you on the show today. I just want to say thank you. And, uh, you know, I hope everything goes well tonight at the show and I'd love to have you back in the future. We can dig a little bit more deeper, maybe even when the new record's coming out. All right. Yo, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same way. Thank you. Great conversation. And uh, thanks for having me on. Tell all the dudes that I said hi, even though they won't remember me. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you very much, Mark. All right, bro. Bye. Later. So there it was, my conversation with Mr. Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. 
I had a blast talking to Mark, and hopefully we'll have him back on the show when Taking Back Sunday have a new record out or a new tour or whatever. It's just it's an excuse for me to talk to cool people, and uh, it had been so long, like we don't even remember if we actually met back then, but somebody from that band took me on their bus and showed me some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary back in 2003 on Warp Tour. And by uh, talking to Mark about Metallica, it was probably him. So thank you guys so much for checking out this week's episode. Make sure to check out my sponsors, Artist Flags, Permanence Tattoo Gallery, and of course the band at the beginning of the show, Carusco, and uh, Brazil, you know, the new segment. If you guys didn't like the new segment, let me know. If the intro is too long, let me know. I just, I'm trying some new things, trying to make the show a little bit different, having more content. But yeah, Brazil's an amazing band. The reunion show is August 30th at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis, Indiana. So make sure to check that out there on Instagram and Facebook and everything. And uh, that's it for this week. So thank you so much for the support. As always, head over to any of the social medias. Check us out, TOTOT Podcast. It's at TOTOT Podcast. Sorry, I'm a little tired. But uh, also, I just want you guys to know that uh, we have awesome guests coming up. Everything got a little crazy for a while. I was doing like two or three interviews a week, and I had to slow down. But uh, yeah, we got some good ones coming up, man. We're going to have Travis from Coheed and Cambria on the program next week. I hope you guys are going to enjoy that. I had so much fun talking to Travis. He's a good dude. And uh, my buddy Dewey over at Pure Pleasure... Uh, just had Josh from Coheed on his episode on his podcast and Josh was hilarious and Travis is pretty hilarious too. So yeah, I don't know. Those guys in Coheed are just some of the best dudes in the world. So yeah, head over to pure pleasure podcast and check out some Dewey's stuff. Cause Dewey's got some great guests. He just had Danny Trejo, the, the actor guy from machete and all those movies on his podcast this week. So check him out. And as always, you know, I love you guys. It's a great time doing this podcast, and I'm so glad we're back on track. And we will see you next week with Travis from Coheed and Cambria. But before that, I got to play some cool music from Taking Back Sunday. Uh, there's so many good songs. I've been listening to them for a long time, and I didn't really know what to pick. So I just kind of let Spotify do its magic. And I had a playlist of Taking Back Sunday songs. And the first one randomly to come up was a decade under the influence from the 2004 record, Where You Want to Be. So I'm going to leave you guys with that, and I will see you next week with Travis from Coheed. This is Chris signing off, and here is Taking Back Sunday with A Decade Under the Influence. See you guys next week. Winter
Hey, this is Brandon from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. This is Connor Lovett Fraser from Boys Night Out. This is Kevin Mark from Candlebox. This is Dennis Buckley from 88 Fingers Louie. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. Hi, this is Greg Ketson. This is Murphy Cargis from the band Sugar Ray. This is Brian from Lucero. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. G'day, this is Lindsay from Frenzel Rum. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) So do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you.